Welcome to the Sunday Tennis Q&A with High Performance Coach Chris Lewitt. Chris Lewitt is an internationally respected author and educator and is regarded as one of the leading junior development coaches in the world. Join Chris weekly for the most intelligent tennis talk show on the planet as Chris answers questions from his audience around the world. And now, here's Chris. Hey guys, it's Chris here, Prodigy Maker Show, formerly known as the Sunday Night q and I'm glad to be with you guys for our second season. This is episode one of our second season of the show. And we do this show every Sunday night at 9.45 p.m., although lately it's been closer to 10 p.m. because I've been doing late lessons on the court and I've been struggling to get back to my house in time. But we try to go on around 9.45 p.m. every Sunday night. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'll wait for you all to log in, sign in, and I await some great discussion tonight and some good Q&A. This show is all about high-performance tennis. I try to answer questions from the viewers around the world, do the best I can, sharing my knowledge and expertise. And I also learn from you guys. I learn from everyone who joins in the discussion and who participates in the program every Sunday night. We have a strong following. I have a lot of loyal viewers and a lot of friends who tune in every Sunday night. And we have a lot of people who enjoy the show and participate after after the show has gone into archive. So we archive the show on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt. And we also keep the show up on our Facebook page. So if you happen to miss the show on a Sunday night, you can't get to it. I know it's a late night, uh, late night show. So you can catch the show the next day or the next week on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook channel. So I appreciate you guys tuning in and I appreciate your support of the show. It's definitely not easy to do the show every Sunday night late after a long weekend of teaching on the court, but I do enjoy it. I enjoy sharing the ideas with you guys. I enjoy talking about what's happening in high performance, in especially in junior tennis. And I like, uh, like the intelligent discussion. I think that there's very few shows that are covering specifically high performance and technical training. So that's one of you know, those are my areas of expertise, high performance junior training and technical training. I'm a hardware coach. I love building the hardware of especially young kids. So that's sort of my my favorite area for of discussion. And I also just like to talk tennis in general, the state of the game and what we can do to improve the game. And I enjoy meeting new people from around the world and learning and sharing my ideas about junior tennis training, especially like helping kids. I work with a lot of families remotely now. We have an online school at clta.teachable.com. Our online academy is clta.teachable.com. And you can train with me from anywhere in the world now. And I have players who are joining me from all over the US and also internationally to have me help with their game. I help their parents, and sometimes I help the players directly in a remote capacity. So I have my crew here in New York, strong following in the New York City area, which is where I, I coach uh, year-round, and on the, in the northeast of the United States here, and I have more and more players and families joining me from around the world through my online school, and that's that's really cool. I think that's one of the incredible things about the Internet and the way technology is evolving nowadays is that coaches can reach out to an audience from far, far away and can make a difference in the lives of not just the, the, the families and kids around them in their locality. They can, uh, coaches can reach all over the world now and share ideas and help kids. That's my main goal in life is to help kids uh, develop their tennis, obviously, but also to, to, to become better human beings, which is what the sport of tennis allows. It's a great character builder. I would like to introduce my co-host, Sammy. Some of you may know him if you're regulars of the program. Sammy, come here. Wanna say hi? Sammy is, he's our uh, academy dog. Say hi to everyone. Hi. Oh, what do you want? You wanna go rest on the couch? I think, I think he's asking to rest on the couch. I, I better let him do that. You wanna go do that? What do you see? You wanna go couch? 
You're going couch? Here it goes, guys. Here it goes. All right, you rest here. I'll do the show. He's my imaginary co-host. He doesn't really he doesn't really do that much, but he just keeps me company on a late Sunday night. And usually he goes and sits. I don't know if you can see that. He he goes takes a nap on the couch while I I do all the heavy lifting here. So I'd like to get into the show as soon as we can. Have a good talk about the state of the game. One of the topics for tonight is what is wrong with tennis uh, at not just at the pro level but at the junior level and what we can do to improve it i have a lot of ideas on that that i've i've written about you know, i do a lot of writing i'm an author and i publish a lot of articles in the tennis industry so i have some thoughts about that and what else is on the agenda i wanted to talk a little bit about technique if any of you guys have any technical questions i'd love to dig into it I wanted to talk about jumping on the serve. I believe that we should teach kids to jump on the serve. So that's a, a major technical thrust that I've been focusing on with my students over the last few years. And I think it's just a no-brainer. We can talk about that a little bit or any other, you know, technical questions, hardware building questions. I love that. And I think we should also delve into this idea that clay court training doesn't require grinding and suffering and consistency. So that's another area that I, I wanted to discuss, sort of the idea that uh, maybe you've been seeing some of the advertisements going around for, for the course on, on clay court uh, strategy, and some of the advertisements uh, online have been claiming that the game has changed, the game is different now, the clay court game is different, that we don't need to focus on grinding and consistency anymore, and I think that's just a bunch of baloney. It's a bunch of shuck and jive, as I like to say, and I hope that all of you, especially my smart listeners and viewers, are not buying into that hype that clay court training is has dramatic should dramatically change from years past. And it may be true that some of the rally length is getting shorter at the pro level, but that doesn't mean that we need to change completely our training paradigms or our training methodology. So I hope you guys aren't falling for that hype. If you have any questions about that, please let me know. I mentioned listeners because this show is a live show that you can view on Facebook every Sunday night, but it's also a podcast now. I'm very, very excited that Prodigy Maker Show is going to all the podcast platforms now, which is iTunes and Google Play and pretty much every platform available. We do SoundCloud and all, all the big ones. I think we're on, we're on all, all the major platforms. So if you have a favorite podcasting platform, please check into the show. We have all of season one available. I think we have 17, se 17 episodes from season one with intelligent, high-performance tennis talk, and now we're starting season two. And we'll try to do about 15 or 20 episodes in season two, and we'll continue like that. So, guys, please check out the archives of our shows on your favorite podcasting platform. All right, I will hang in here and wait for all of, all of our fans and viewers to sign in and maybe throw up a comment. I'll wait for the first comment or question of the night. I It will go through some waves here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and waving. We've got a bunch of waves already on the board. Esther Forrester is my Facebook friend. Thank you for waving. Rosario Escolar Retuerta is watching, another regular of the program. Thank you. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. I know it's a late Sunday night, and I appreciate all the support of the show. Han Tan Nguyen is waving. Thank you, Han. Han is a regular on the program. Naeem Azar is watching. Thank you, Naeem. Thanks for waving. Donnie Levitt is waving. Donnie waves every night, every Sunday night. Thank you, amigo. Appreciate it. Corey Stella is watching. What's up, Corey? Corey's a friend of mine and a good tennis player and coach. Tyrone Sparks is watching. What's up, Tyrone? Thanks for waving. 
Hugo Ball Green is waving. Thank you, Hugo. Hugo is my assistant coach training with me right now. He's training to be a superstar coach with me. Thank you for waving. Sammy Madison is waving. Thank you. I think Sammy is my cousin. Cool. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Carlos Carrera is a regular on the show. Thank you for waving. Brian Tennis is watching. Brian, you might be a new viewer. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting the program. Alejandro Mauricio Fuentes is watching. Thanks for the waves, guys. Andrew Chamur is waving. What's up, Andrew? How are you? Andrew is an old mentor of mine. Taught me a lot back in the day. And now he's uh, a leader in the tennis industry, Andrew. Very impressive what you've been doing with your business. Grand Slam Tennis Tours. I'll give it a shout out. Guys, if you need a, a tennis vacation, you got to talk to Andrew at Grand Slam Tennis Tours. He's the man. He's doing a great job. Ariel Ferrari is watching. Thanks for waving. Appreciate all the friends tuning in. Guys, let's dig into the first four shots myth first. Let's, let's just get into it. Clay court training, the first four shots myth. I call it a myth because it is a myth. It is a poorly constructed theory that is there are some parts of it that are okay and accurate and there are the conclusions though that you know the data is definitely showing that rally length on the pro tour is getting shorter i think that's reasonable because it makes sense you know there's a big power game and Oh man, I talk about this almost every week, guys. It's like it's like I have I, I feel a, a duty to sh to try to explain to everyone why this is a myth, why there's so much hype, so that coaches aren't led down the wrong path and they don't start training their kids in a bad way. Although, in a sense, the more coaches who follow this theory, it's probably better for me as a competitor coach in the long run because if you're training kids that way. You're making a big mistake. Let's talk about clay court training and the first four shots myth. Clay court training has to be based on consistency, has to be based on building shot tolerance and control. It's been that way since God knows how long, and I don't think that's ever going to change. So, yeah, are, are the rally lengths on tour getting a bit shorter? Yes, so players are playing more aggressive, players have more power. But fundamentally, if you're training a junior and you want them to be successful on clay, they have to know how to suffer, they have to know how to grind, they have to have a good defense, they have to have good consistency, excellent control of the ball. And there's just no, there's no way around that unless, you know, you're 6'6 six, six or 6'8, six, you play like Isner or Karlovic, or Riley Opelka, and you can just drop bombs and never get broken. You know, basically, you have to play a clay court game, which is a steady game. By the way, and I think this is something that, you know, e e even the, the, the people who are promoting first strike uh, are, would agree with that, you know, even the, the clay court players let's take, say, from Spain, for example, they all have weapons. You know, all the clay court players nowadays, they have big, massive forehands with heavy topspin, and, and they play an aggressive game. So the fact, that, the fact that you're solid and consistent doesn't mean that you don't have weapons. You don't, doesn't mean you don't have a big serve. It just means you have to develop those qualities, and you have to train those qualities in young kids, especially children under 10, under 12, under 14, when the kids are young. They have to learn how to, how to suffer and grind. They have to learn patience. They have to learn consistency. And I don't know if you've been seeing all the, you know, there's been, uh, there's a new course for sale out there. And, and you, have, you have people promoting the idea that clay court tennis, that you don't need to do any of those things anymore, that you don't need to be consistent. You don't need to, uh, you don't need to grind. You don't need to suffer on clay. And I just think that's very misguided and, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Is it it's disingenuous? It's misguided? It, it's, it's stupid, stupid, as I like to say. It's stupid. It's a bunch of shuck and jive. It's a bunch of BS. It's a bunch of hogwash. It's a bunch of 
malarkey. You know, it's 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 terrible uh, logic. You know that you say, oh, the pros are playing shorter. Fully grown adults are playing shorter. Big, powerful guys, big serves. So their rally lengths are coming down. The averages are coming down because they have big, big games. You know, they're hitting huge shots. And then to take that data and then say, well, therefore, we should train children first strike. You know, we, we don't need to focus on the long rallies anymore, the consistency training, the long repetition type training. I mean, can you guys see the false logical leap there? It's, it's a fallacy. It's fallacious reasoning. It's it's uh, it's like a, it's a non sequitur. You know, it's take it's a false logical leap, and the data may be true, but the data is for fully grown adults on the pro tour. You know, not 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 children, not young junior tennis players. So, anyway, I'll submit that to you guys. If you have any questions about that, let me know. I talk about this a lot because. I feel that there's a lot of myth out there. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of coaches who are being misled or that are misinterpreting the message or are, are maybe, maybe being sold uh, a bill of goods. You know, they're being sold a, a theory that, that, is, that is, not, is not true, it's not, su not su supportable, uh, it's not proven. And I just, I don't like to see, I like justice in the world. I don't like to see coaches uh, being misled that way or, or, or ultimately these coaches are, are, are teaching children and, and they're not going to teach children very well with that sort of philosophy. So I, I hope that, that I can sort of advocate uh, at the junior level, which is what I focus on, junior development. I can sort of advocate, I can push back against some of the myth and hype out there and try to get coaches to do the right thing to help their, their, their kids uh, play better and develop into champion tennis players, especially clay. I think I know the clay game very well, and I have an expertise on clay court training from all the years that I've spent studying in Spain. You know, I wrote a book, The Secrets of Spanish Tennis, so I, I feel sort of obligated to defend the Spanish way and defend the Spanish uh, training method. So... Let me know, guys, if you have any thoughts or comments on that. And, you know, I, I can dig into a lot of the details and the, the numbers and, and the theory. And, but, you know, it's a, it's a discussion that we've had many times. And if you look back in season one, I've made a lot of passionate arguments against the first four shots myth. And I've explained why it's a myth and, and for many reasons why we should be very careful about changing our training methods, uh, especially with young children. There is, it's true that as players get older and they already have the consistency and the, uh, the, they can grind and they're patient that, that you can start to train players to be more first strike. And that's perfectly reasonable. You know, that's, that's cool. But not when they're little. When they're little, especially if you want good clay court players, I'll tell you what you need to develop good clay court players. When kids are little, they need to know how to grind. Yeah, let's, let's look at it in a positive way here. What do you need to develop a really good clay court player? You need players who can move beautifully. They need to be able to slide well. They need to have good balance. They need to have agility and grace. And a lot of that's developed with exercises. So the Spanish have a lot of exercises for that. And some of that's developed by playing a lot on clay. Just playing a lot on the surface ex it's itself will oftentimes help a player learn how to move with that sort of fluidity and agility. Not always. Sometimes the coach needs to train it more specifically. But typically, that, that will playing on clay a lot will help the movement. And you need a really good topspin, typically, unless you're in the female game. If you're in the men's game, you need a really heavy ball. So one of the things that they do really well in Spain is they develop a big weapon, typically with the forehand. So... The forehand needs to be massive RPM, big top spin, and you need to learn how to use it tactically to set up your game. So many players will, uh, many players in Spain, for example, will train for years to develop that whip, that big heavy ball, 
And that's something that's not often discussed about Spanish training is they, they do a, they have a systematic way to develop this massive forehand. So I've, I've talked about it a lot in my book. I, I documented the drills that they use in many of the videos we have. I have some of the videos at our YouTube channel. I have some of the videos at our, our online school. But basically, there's a whole series of exercises that they use in Spain to develop that heavy topspin ball. And that ball is so effective on clay because it kicks up and it's hard to handle. Uh, it goes up high against people above their shoulders. So to be a good clay court player, to develop a good clay court player, you need to have the movement and you need to have a big, heavy ball. And that means topspin, and it's usually the forehand. What else do you need? You need to have an incredible consistency because oftentimes on clay, the points will go longer and you have more opportunity to grind and defend because the courts are slower. So players need to learn how to go long in rallies. And that's not just four or five shots. Sometimes on clay, the rallies can go 10 shots or longer, 15 or 20 shots. And players need to be prepared for that sort of grinding battle, that sort of long point. And if you don't train that in a young player, they're not going to learn that. They're going to be impatient and they're not going to have confidence as the point progresses. So what else do you need to play really well on clay? You need stamina. And one of the best ways to build stamina is through long repetitious drills. Uh, one of the aspects in Spain that, the, that I found fascinating when I first started traveling there was the drills go very long. And... And they often can go 20 balls or 30 balls or even sometimes up to 100 balls or longer with, with, without a rest. And what that does is it builds a tremendous muscular endurance and aerobic capacity for, for the players there. And I think that's really critical that you have stamina, you have endurance to last. Clay court matches can last a long time and the points can go very long. Now, they may not go... Uh, as long as frequently as some of the shorter points when you factor in serve and return and and uh, early early mistakes and early winners but there are many points on clay that can go very long it becomes a war of attrition and you've got to have that stamina aspect so you have to be a great mover you have to have stamina on clay you have to have a big heavy topspin ball and that's not so easy to do. A lot of players don't have great topspin. Hey, sweetie. Have a good night. It's my daughter, Sky. Want to say hi to everyone? Hello. Say hello. We're talking about Spanish tennis. Say hi. Oh, fun. Huh? Oh, I don't see you here. Oh, say hi. hi. Give me a hug. How was your studies today? I didn't do studies today. Oh, no. You took the day off? Yeah, but I'm going to do a lot, a lot, lot tomorrow because I finished my homework and you're home, so... Oh, I'll help you study. I took I took Easter off, but I'm, I'll do lots of studying with you tomorrow. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, great. Guys, this is my daughter, Sky. She's a superstar. She's a super wrestler. And she's also a super speller. And we're going to the National Spelling Bee in a month, about a month. So we have a lot of studying to do. Mm -hmm. we're, we're working hard. We have yeah. to be disciplined. Yeah. I am a good, am I a good spelling bee coach? <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> Most of the time. I, I, I think I'm a good coach. I, I, uh, maybe I'm a little too tough sometimes. Most, most of the time, I'm a good coach. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. I have some, I, you guys didn't know I have other coaching skills besides just tennis. <laughs> I got spelling. I'm I coaching. Would say maybe like 80% of the time. 80%? Yeah. Uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that endorsement. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. Okay. So. I am also, you guys may not realize this, but I'm also a very good running coach to my son. You should thank me. I'm doing the cat litter without you. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I, I'm coaching my son in cross country right now. And I'm coaching my daughter in a little bit in wrestling. And we're doing a lot of spelling bee studies right now. So a little glimpse into my life here. And... Where was I? We're talking about clay court, how to build a great clay court player. So I mentioned the most important things, the movement, heavy topspin, consistency, good defense, and great endurance and stamina. I think, am I forgetting anything? Those are, those are the bases. 
that those are the basics, you know, the fundamentals. And then, you know, you, you, nowadays, when you get to the pro level or you get to the top college level, what do you need? You got to be able to strike. You got to be able to hit big shots. And this is what Craig O'Shaughnessy is talking about. He's saying that, you know, the rallies are getting shorter at the top level. That's perfectly cool. I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm down with that. But you don't build that from the very beginning. From the early years, you get what I mentioned before. And then later on, you start stacking on, you know, the big serve, the aces, the service winners, the first strike. You start adding those to a great foundation. And that's how you build a player. That's how you build a great clay court player. I promise you guys, I don't think there's a single top clay court champion who developed with the first four shots theory. Like, nobody, no one's developed that way. They all develop grinding. They all develop with consistency. You know, they all, like, like Rafa, you know, like, like any, name any, any top clay court guy. They all develop that way. They develop building a base of consistency and control. They develop the heavy top spin. They, I'm talking about the men. Sometimes the women don't have the heavy top spin, but it, it does help on clay too. If you remember like, a uh, female like Arancha Sanchez Vicario or Conchita Martinez, excellent clay court champions from back in the day. You know, even the women can play well with topspin on clay, although you have some champions who play a bit flatter style in the female game. That's changing. I, I predict that the future is more spin for female players, especially on clay. But, you know, you need those fundamentals. And then if the player grows up to be huge and big and strong and serving enormously, you know, big 130, 140 serving. And, you know, you, you, you start seeing why the rallies are getting shorter at the top level. But don't put the cart before the horse. You've got to build, you know, all those solid fundamentals before you get on to the weapons and things like that. So, you know, that's basically my take on it. And I think you should be very wary of the hype. And, guys, try not to be... Lemmings. I talk about this a lot on the show. Try not to be coach lemmings, you know, where they just the little animals that follow the leader right off the cliff, you know. Try to do some independent critical thinking here and understand that data from the pro tour is not the best way to craft training methodology for children and for kids in the, in the junior game. So there you know the data is interesting but it, it's not a great way to guide your your practice court for especially for younger the the younger you go I would say the 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 less relevant that pro data is. So that's my take on it. I like to talk a little bit about technique tonight. I want to talk about jumping on the serve Feel free to jump in with any technical questions if you have it, guys. You know I love to talk technique. I see some old friends are signing in here and saying hello. What's up, guys? Thanks for tuning in, amigos. I see Danilo Veramechuk is waving. What's up, Danilo? How are you, buddy? Thank you for tuning in. Danilo is an excellent player trying to go out on the pro circuit right now, but I don't know, how's that going, Danilo, with the new ITF World Tour? What a joke. What a mess. Guys, I can't tell you what a mess the ITF circuit is right now. A lot of players are getting shut out. A lot of aspiring players are having their dreams crushed. I think it's really a shame. This is just an aside, but I think what the ITF has done to the professional circuit at the lower level is a travesty. It's a joke, it's a shame, it's an embarrassment, and I feel bad, very badly for all the players, you know, I feel a lot of empathy for those guys. I played that lower level circuit, and I know that a lot of those guys, you know, were already struggling to make it, and it's a dicey proposition, there's not a lot of money there, and the ITF just closed the door on pro tennis for so many players. And I think we'll be seeing a lot of those players coming over to the U.S. to play college tennis soon, uh, which some of you may have some concerns about. You know, we already have a very high percentage of foreign players in the U.S. And now I think we're going to see a, a big influx of players from, you know, in, from internationally who are not going to duke it out on the pro circuit anymore. And what are they going to do? They're going to come here to the U.S. and play, take, take up more spots on, 
on our college teams, you know, for better or for worse. I think the college game is just going to get stronger and stronger. You're going to see more and more pro-level players playing college tennis because they're not able to make it on the pro circuit anymore. I hope the ITF reconsiders their plan for the world tour. I hope that they consider restructuring the, the tour and making some improvements to make it uh, more possible for more players to, to succeed and to keep the dream alive. So that's what I have to say about that. I've talked and written about that a lot. We've talked about it on this program, and I've written a bunch about that. I've been posting a lot about that on social media of late. Let's see what other buddies are on the show tonight. Jim Kane is a regular supporter of the show. What's up, Jim? Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you watching the show every Sunday night. Let me know if you have any questions on your mind. I'd be happy to answer. Let's see. Kareem Ashur is waving. Thank you, Kareem. Thank you for tuning in. Sophia Blano is watching. Jeremy Malfay is watching. What's up, Jeremy? Jeremy's a regular of the program. Thanks for supporting the show. I appreciate you guys tuning in so late. Matthew Tanulanand is watching. I think Matthew's tuned in before. Thank you so much, amigo. Appreciate it. Alina Gaitan is waving. Alexander Serfefa is waving. Alexander, are you new to the program? Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining the show. Jimmy Johnson is watching and waving. Jimmy, thanks for the wave. Appreciate it. Piatrek Banyas. That's my buddy Peter. Peter's tuning in every Sunday night. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate you tuning in, buddy. Mike Vasquez is waving. All right, guys. Let's get down to some business here, technical business. Okay, here's another thing that's really been bothering me. Is usually top coaches teach the serve. Very stationary. And in my opinion, that's very outdated. It's It's... Time to sort of level up the serving game, the, the technical teaching of the serve. And let's just, let's just move on, people. Let's, let's just accept that you know, teaching a static serve is, doesn't need to be that way. Little kids can jump. So let me just put that out there. Little kids know how to jump. I see it all the time. I have three kids myself. And when I go to the playground, I see lots of little kids between the age of 3 and 8, let's say, or 3 and 10 or whatever, and they're all jumping, and they know how to do it. It's a playground skill. It's a fundamental athletic skill. And there's just no reason why we can't take uh, these little guys and girls, and when they're serving, you know, get them to load and explode, get them to get off the ground get them to hop, get them to jump. And I think it's just silly. Like it's such a, it's so taboo to say that. When I post that on social media or if I write that in an article, I get so much backlash. You know, I get, I get so many coaches are like freaking out or like, no, no, it has to be, the players have to be grounded. It's a disaster if they jump or they're not physically ready or, you know, kids, uh, you know, you got to do one thing at a time. You got to teach them the stationary first, and you got to work the the arms first before the legs. And I, I don't see it that way. I think we can build the serve from the ground up. We can get the the jump, the leg drive. I love getting that leg drive, and I, I like teaching players dynamic balance. You know, what what in midair while they're jumping, and I like working on the landing. I like working on stability on the landing and just kind of get that whole serve accelerated, looking a little more pro tour. I know it can't look exactly like a pro because they're little kids, but you can start getting a little more pro tour action there. You can start getting the legs sequencing before the arm acceleration, and you can start it like you can kind of start to manipulate the hips in the right position, and you can get the loading in that power position and really really use the power position the way it's supposed to be with the legs driving the player off the ground. So I just think technically, I just, we haven't talked about it on the show very much. And I, I wanted to put that out there that I'm teaching all my juniors from the youngest ages to jump. Maybe when they're little, you teach them like a hop. What I don't care, whatever you want to call it, you know, little kids can jump. I'll take a kid four or five years old. I can get them to hop. 
and I'll get them to hop up into the ball and we'll work on their, their driving with the legs, work on their landing. Uh, the landing is usually on the left foot and it's, it's, uh, you, you can work on their stability and you can work on the technique of the landing. You can really kind of shape those little kids. You can shape their motions so that as they get older, they have the form that they're going to use at the top level in college and on the pro circuit. You can have that form already hardwired and it saves them time later down the road. They don't have to learn all that stuff when they're like 10 plus. So I like to get everything uh, baked in at a young age. Obviously, it is possible to develop great servers from a stationary position. You can, you can start kids stationary and then build the, the legs later, but I just I think it's faster to do it all, all at once or to do the legs first and then add the upper body. I like doing it that way. I, I, I've been doing that. I've been teaching that for a long time, and I would encourage you guys to experiment with that if you have an open mind. Some of you may be very negative and closed-minded, you know, very rigid, but hopefully my viewers are thinking outside the box and my listeners are, are willing to be uh, creative and to sort of try to be on the cutting edge of technical coaching. And I think that's where it's at. It's just obvious to me that it's not that difficult to teach kids to jump on the serve. I don't know why it's such a taboo. I'm not sure where it comes from. Maybe some old coaching manuals that have just, the, you know, sort of the, the habit has been there for a long time. And coaches are creatures of habit. And I, I can just tell you guys that I have hundreds and hundreds of juniors who I've developed, who we all started that way with no, with no, uh, no issues. You know, not that big a deal, really. I'm surprised it's controversial at all. You know, so you get a little kid, you build their trophy position, and then you tell them to, to get off the ground. I, I guess there's also sort of that myth, I'm going to call it a myth, that the pros don't think about jumping, like, like high-level players. It's just sort of a byproduct of a good kinetic chain. I think that's kind of a myth, you know. Uh, I think a lot of players think about exploding from their legs. They think about jumping up. You know, I, I, I certainly do with, with my serve. I, I remind myself all the time to use my legs and get up there. And I think there, that, that was, that's been a myth that's sort of been shopped around for a long time, that the, the jump, the leaving the ground is just kind of a byproduct. I'm not sure if that came from a, a wayward uh, sports science article or, you know, I, I don't know what, what happened, why, how that became so prevalent, but it, it, you definitely hear that a lot. And then I just think from it's just old old style coaching where you had everyone grounded. Ground strokes you should jump too, by the way. In my opinion, we should teach all ground strokes getting off the ground. Teach the kids with the forehand and backhand how to leave the ground either with one foot uh, leaving the ground on a on a pivot or or a, a mid air spin. You know, I call it a mid air spin. If you've seen any of my instructional videos or anything like that, you know, you want to get the player airborne and get the hips and the shoulders spinning in midair. And I think that's a great way to teach beginners, everyone. You guys are going to maybe be shocked, but you can take a little kid, five, six, seven years old. You can get them airborne. You can get their hips spinning, and you can build that parabolic swing shape that I talk about all the time. Get that nice parabolic swing shape by getting the player airborne and off the ground rather than staying grounded and, and being too linear, you know, the problem that I have with grounded strokes is they, they create very linear swing paths. And what I'm trying to get is a circular swing path. I call it a parabolic swing shape. So, guys, let me know if you have any thoughts about that. You agree with that? Disagree with that? Come on. Tell me. Tell me if you think I'm crazy, if you think I, I'm cray-cray, uh, uh, if I'm loco, or if maybe I'm onto something. Have you guys tried that on your teaching court? Getting kids to jump, or is that just too controversial? It's too alien. It's too way out there. I mean, come on. Little kids can't jump, right? You never see that on the playground, do you? All right, I'm being sarcastic. But, guys, give it a shot. See if you can get your kids to jump on the serve. Yeah, take a deep breath. Give it a shot. See if you can get kids to jump on the forehand. I've been teaching that way for many years. I have all my players jumping and leaving the ground on the forehand. It's really not that big a deal. 
Sometimes when I post videos of kids doing that, I get the, the craziest flame comments like, oh, this player will never be able to be consistent. This player will never be able to hit cleanly. And it's just not true. I mean, I've done it so many times. I, I just know it's not true just on based on experience alone, you know, working working in the trenches, building uh, young players' strokes. It's just, it's not that big a deal. It's easy to do. It's easy to get kids to jump. It's easy to get kids to jump, and you can work on their balance much more effectively, I think, that way than, than working on grounded balance. It takes so much more time to teach the grounded way and then later on introduce uh, jumping and explosion, both on the serve and on the ground strokes. It just takes longer, in my opinion. Occasionally, you might have a player who has trouble coordinating a jump, but I think you get through that very quickly. I... I, I I mean, you may say that I work with kids that are maybe a little more talented than the typical kid because I have a lot of athletic kids. But, I mean, even with kids who are not that great athletes, I can typically get them to jump and to hit cleanly without too much trouble. Occasionally on the serve, the, the coordination is a challenge. But you just kind of work through that. And once you bust through that initial uh, difficulty, you, you, have, you make great strides and you develop this uh, tremendous-looking serve for, uh, for, for the age. You know, you can get a serve looking very much pro, uh, very ATP style, uh, not, you know, not 100% like a pro, obviously, because they're little kids, they can't get quite the same angles as, as an adult. But you can get a very pro looking little kid serve at a young age. And you basically your job is done by 10 years old or by 11 years old, you don't have much to teach in terms of technique. And to, for me, that's a great advantage from a technical perspective. All right. Let's see who's tuning in here. Uh, we got La Reja Esquileta de Padel. It's my Padel friend. What's up, buddy? How are you? Thank you for waving. Thank you for supporting the show. All right. So I was talking about the game of tennis. And here's a little story from the week. So I went to one of my players' uh, junior tournaments Friday night. And he's a pretty good player um, here in New York. It would be like a level 1B player. So he's got a pretty good ranking. And so we go to this really popular club in New York. And we're in this big bubble. And there's nowhere to sit. And all the parents are there just scratching their heads. Like they paid good money to bring their child to a junior tournament, Right. And we're all just sort of standing there. So for an hour and a half or two hours, we all had to stand. It was very uncomfortable. I went and stole a bench from another court for one of uh, for my player's mom because I just felt so bad for her because she was just standing there and she was getting tired. And like, you know, I'm like, it's like the Spanish way with me. Like, I'll just suffer and I'll be like, no, I'm not going to sit. I'm going to do two hours standing watching my player and I'm, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to stand here and suffer uh, and grind it out, you know, that's the way I see it. But I, I felt really bad for the kid's mom because she was so tired. So I went and snagged a, a bench for her to sit down, but there was like no good viewing. She had to sort of stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down to watch points. And all of the parents were in the same boat. And I, I just think it's an example of how in junior tennis, the, the tournament scene is so bad. It's so wrong. It's, it's, it doesn't cater to the consumer, to the customer, which are the families, you know, obviously the players, but also the parents, you know, we should be making junior tournaments so such a wonderful experience for the parents that they want to come back and that they want to have their younger, the younger siblings play tennis and that they want their child to play more and more tournaments and competitive, competitive events. And we have a major issue where, a lot of kids play tennis, but they don't want to play competitive tennis. They don't want to play tournaments. And there's a number of reasons for that. But this is just like a small example from my own personal experience this week where I, I go to a, a big junior tournament, a relatively big junior tournament at a, at a very successful club. And the tennis director there, the, the people in charge there, never thought to make some nice seating for the parents. I mean, so that they can enjoy their child's match. To me, that's crazy. That's cray-cray. You know, what, what are people thinking? You know, how about, how about we try to make the game and, and the tournament scene more palatable 
for parents, you know, more enjoyable for parents and, and for the kids, you know. So on, along the same lines, you know, I talk about this a lot on the show, but cheating, you know, cheating is just one of the things that ruins the sport for kids and also for parents. So I can't tell you how many stories that I have of parents who, you know, they play their first tournament or their second tournament and they're just appalled. You know, they're shocked that their kid gets cheated and nobody does anything about it. They're upset, uh, they're upset and they have a very bad initial experience on the tournament scene. And many times the players don't want to play tournaments anymore. You know, they'll usually, they might play high school tennis or team tennis, but they won't play tournaments anymore. And, and the parents sometimes won't want to bring the kid back. Some families will choose a different sport. They'll just kind of gravitate away from tennis. They'll be like, no, nah, we'll do something else. Thanks. We'll go play some soccer where they have an umpire or a referee. You know, we'll go play basketball or baseball or, or, you know, some of the other big sports that tennis competes with in the U.S. And a lot of families would, would prefer to play that because it's better refereed. You know, the, the, the kid's not going to have a really bad experience from, from cheating. You know, obviously, it's one, you can't win every game, but who wants to, you know, bring their, take the weekend off and bring their kid to a tournament where they're going to get hooked and have a terrible experience due to gamesmanship? You know, I mean, come on, just common sense. And that, that's one of the major problems with junior tennis. Along the same lines, the, the structure of junior tennis is, in my opinion, completely out of control. The way tournaments are structured, they take too long to finish. So families have to give up their whole weekend. Tennis will never become as popular as basketball or uh, baseball or football in, in the U.S. I'm speaking from a U.S. perspective, so uh, you know this may be a little bit different in other countries, but tennis is never going to really blow up the way we want it to blow up if we can't get the tournament scheduling uh, improved in the junior game. So, for example, all the major tournaments are on holidays, which I think is completely wrong, and families are forced to take major holidays off they're forced to take their whole families to junior tournaments for the holiday weeks. And I just think that's a shame. It, 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 some families have to split up or it's just not healthy for families because then the other siblings have to sort of tag along and everything kind of revolves around the, the tennis player in the family. I don't think that's healthy for the family dynamic. And also many families will split up. So on all the holidays where families should be spending times together, they... They, the, the, like mom, maybe mom will take the tennis player or dad will take the tennis player and the other, the other members of the family will stay home or do something else. I mean, obviously that's not healthy for a family either. So I think there's just so many challenges in the junior tournament structure and just the way tournaments are held and the way they're presented to folks. And, and there's so many issues there that make, uh, that may basically make tennis a turnoff. And I just don't understand why we put up with that. We should stand up and demand uh, a better game, a better junior tournament structure, a better junior tournament schedule. And that way we could really grow the game tremendously. So I'm at the stage in my career as a coach and as uh, an influencer in the industry, as a leader in the industry, where I, I want to sort of start to put my, my opinions out there and and talk about how we can change the game. And these are some of the issues that I see, uh, especially from the junior development side. What else? There's um, another big one that I talk about a lot is the cost. The cost of the game is uh, outrageous. There's a huge cost, obviously, on the training side, uh, on the coaching side, and court time, especially in places that have uh, indoor indoor courts and uh, group lessons, academies, everything is very expensive in tennis. So that, that's one side of it. But also, you know, the tournaments are expensive. The entry fees are expensive. Uh, another thing that happens a lot here in New York, I don't know if it happens in your, in your part of, of the country or in the world, but a lot of the tournaments are 
are played late at night. So you have young kids who are playing matches late into the, into the evening, you know, sometimes 9, 10, or 11 o'clock. Some matches can go past midnight. And that is another big turnoff. You know, again, turnoff. Big, uh, great way to push people away from the sport, especially the competitive side of the sport. The, the, money, the money is an issue because, you know, parents have to take weekend off the entire weekend you know what some parents have to work on the weekend they they could never parents would work like two jobs or you know have, that are, have a weekend work they could never do that you know and uh you know you have to go on overnights with hotels and all of the national tournaments are expensive to travel to so there's airfare hotel a lot of costs involved in trying to get your kid up the rankings just so many impediments to growing the game that I see that are quite obvious to me that I just don't see anyone, you know, you hear people talking about it, but there's just no action. Like nothing gets changed, nothing gets better. And I'm just going to keep talking about it because I, I have a certain position uh, in the industry. I have a YouTube channel. I have uh, social media uh uh, I have the ability to connect with a lot of people through social media, and I have these shows. I have my my live uh, coaching show, and I have this show every week and podcasts. And I'm just going to start sort of sharing my ideas about what I see is that is wrong. And and guys, this is not these are not that difficult things to change. Many of these things we can work on, and we can make the game more palatable and more attractive to families. I'm a dad. I have three children, and I'm, I'm, I'm sort of embarrassed about how, how tough it is for, for people to really get into the game uh, and for families to, to, have, to have a tennis family and to, to be healthy and to be happy is very, very difficult. You know, there's so many challenges. I'll give you an example. I, my son is a competitive runner. And what a lovely sport that is, cross country. You know, he, it's very inexpensive. You can do a race. It just takes maybe uh, a morning, uh, one weekend morning, like a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon, a short afternoon. And and uh, there's a very clear, simple uh, structure on how to get to regionals and nationals. And, you know, it's not that expensive. My We can join a race for maybe, you know, maybe 30 bucks or something. And, uh, oh, it's amazing. I can run with my son in a 5K. Obviously, I can't run the junior events, but, like, I can participate with him and play. And what else? You know, the, the, uh, the simplicity of, this, of, the, of the competition schedule and, and the inexpensive, uh, inexpensive nature of the sport is just so wonderful. My, my daughter is a wrestler. Wrestling is not that expensive. It has a very clear structure. Uh, she can have different seasons. Like she doesn't have to play the junior tournament season year round. She can she can do like a season in the spring or a season in the fall, and then she can have some you know some free time to work on her studies or academics, things like that. Maybe pursue uh, other interests. But in tennis, it's like such a year long grind, and and all the tournaments are on the holidays and on the long weekends. It's just it's so brutal. And you only get the diehards who want to do that. And I'm saying, yeah, it's great to have those passionate people who are just going to play tennis no matter what. You know, we have those families where, like, the, the game is in the DNA. And there are always going to be tennis players in that family. But what I would really like to do is revolutionize the way we do tennis so that we could really uh, multiply uh, exponentially how many people love the game. You know, I want people to see tennis in a completely different light. And to see tennis as a viable sport for uh, for their family, and just there's so many people that will not even consider tennis, a because of the cost, b because of the 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 way the tournaments are structured, as I mentioned, c because of the terrible experiences people have with cheating, and so on and so forth. You just keep going down the list. There, it's a long list, guys. I mean, I, I feel like I I've been talking for ten minutes just on the the turnoffs in junior tennis why do we allow why do we keep it that way i'll give you another turnoff now you know, i'm just kind of wrapping here off the top of my head i don't have prepared notes here these are all things that bother me as a parent and as a junior coach as someone in the junior development industry 
the the tournament sign up the the interface on tennis link for usca i've talked about this uh, before I, I mentioned this on a previous show it's just so bad you know it, it, i have parents who are really smart people like lawyers and doctors and they got phds and they they hate that system like they can't even understand it how to sign up for a tournament how to find the rankings list how the points work like it's so damn complicated like why can't USDA find a nice, simple, uh, a simple interface? So something that's very user-friendly, like maybe nice, clean app interface. You know, they have an app, but I don't, I don't think it's very good. Maybe the apps, I have to check the new app. Maybe the app is improvement. But if you go to the website and you try to look at the tournament schedule, it drives me bananas. And I've been using that, that system for years. It's very hard to navigate. Very hard to look up tournaments that you need. The search function is terrible. I mean, have they ever, USDA heard, ever heard of Google or, you know, or, or Oracle or one of these big companies that do uh, search, search programming? I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it's so, I, I, I search like a keyword and I can't even, it, the system never shows, shows the tournament that's actually there. It's like an invisible tournament that I can't find. Just very frustrating. The, the, uh, the the state of the the interface the, and that is one of the first uh, interactions that parents have with the USDA junior tournament schedules they 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 try to you know they join they get a membership and then they go online to try to figure the whole thing out and it's just such a turnoff it's so so distasteful you know so uh, uh, you know uh, it, it parents parents they they just they have they they have no it's like torture for them the the on the online system why does it have to be like that you know so all of these reasons just sort of uh they they crop up and and i i i'm seeing them more and more on the junior circuit so another thing that really bothers me about the state of the game is at the pro level there's a numerous problems at the pro level we talked about the ITF world circuit you know big problem uh, big mess. Uh, another thing is, it's it's a sport that if you're serious about the game and you want your kids to play professional tennis, it's very very poor, very poor sport for parents who who want kids to play pros uh, to play a pro sport. Tennis is a very poor choice. Why? Because it's very hard to make it. I think harder maybe than any other any other sport professionally, and. The money is all aggregated at the top. So, yeah, there is money in tennis, but it, it, it's not distributed down to the lower-level players. So if you, you make it to the very top of the world, you can make a good living. But you know, any parent who is serious about making money in pro sports, usually they're going to choose something different, like basketball or baseball or, or football. When you see the contracts that players are getting, guaranteed contracts, whether they're injured or not, for other sports, you can understand why parents will, who are really serious about athletics will probably gravitate to those sports. They probably won't gravi gravitate towards tennis because the payoff's just not there and the cost of making it is so extremely high. It's, it's, so there's a huge upfront financial outlay from those parents and then the payoff is not that good. So one of the things that I think is interesting is that you know, from what I've been reading about other sports is that they have the the players have have unions they tend to have unions or they have collective bargaining agreements and i think that's really what's missing from tennis is the players need to come together and form uh, some sort of union type body and they need to they need to protest and they need to petition the tournament directors the atp and the itf uh, for a larger share of prize money and so we can finally change, really uh, dramatically change the game at the top level to make it more attractive, not only to the players who are there now, but to make it a more attractive sport for serious athletic families, uh, for parents, basically. So parents will, will consider, so they'll consider tennis as a viable option for their little athletic kid. You know, I'm very competitive. And what I'm getting at is that I want to see tennis win. I love tennis. You know, tennis has been a major part of my life. It it, it is my my life. To to uh, I like to think I have some other interests now. But for many years, tennis was 
my entire life. And I still have a great passion for the sport. I love playing the sport. I really love coaching children. And I would like to see the game grow. Of course, I have the ulterior motive of that I, I want my business to do well because tennis is my business. That's how I support my family. That's how I make a living. So I want to see the sport grow for my own financial you know, benefit. But at the same time, I really have a, a strong desire, especially uh, now that I'm uh, able to influence more people in the tennis industry with my writings and with my my shows and things like that, that I want to see the game just grow. I want to see the game win. I think to myself, how can we make tennis uh, better so it can beat baseball? You know, how can we make tennis better so we can beat football and soccer and basketball? You know, I'm a competitor. I've always been a competitor. I'm a very competitive person. And I would love to see tennis transform itself, you know, to have a, a metamorphosis occur in the tennis industry. I, I talk a lot about how I think the game's too long. You know, I get, sometimes I get some haters who come at me when they say, oh, you know, the traditionalists really don't like when I start talking about how I want to change the game because they want to preserve the game like it's some sort of um, artifact, you know. And, and I have a great respect for the history of the game, but at the same time, I want to win. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find archives of all Chris's shows at youtube.com forward slash Chris Lewitt or search Chris Lewitt on YouTube. You can watch the live video broadcast of this program weekly on Sunday nights where you can ask questions and comment in real time on Facebook Live. Just search Chris Lewitt on Facebook to join the live show. Please share our programs with friends and join our online community. You can join Chris Lewitt's Online Tennis Academy at clta.teachable.com or visit chrislewitt.com for more info. Chris's latest published articles and additional video resources can be found at prodigymaker.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.